Welcome to Mind Love, episode 125. Today's episode is all about money mindfulness in times of fear. We get stuck in our patterns of thinking a certain way, and it, it's tough to get out. But the world is really is welcoming us to do that because as we lose the anchors, you know, something as simple as we go to the grocery store and there isn't toilet paper, we can also look at it like the metaphor of hey, this system that I depended my whole entire life on isn't working anymore. And we can go one of two ways. Everything's falling apart. Or just like you said, can I look at this from a creative perspective? Can I all of a sudden just have so much gratitude for the concept of toilet paper? <laughs> like, like, Just celebrate the fact that we do have incredible choices, options, opportunities. I think we're forced right now to take stock of what is really meaningful and what is really important in our lives and dropping away the things that we thought were really important and it turns out they weren't. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hi, friends and wild people. First off, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please hit the subscribe button. More subscribers means even better guests and tons more value. Plus, it helps me grow the show so more people can find it. And if you ask me, everyone could use a little more mind love. Today, we're talking about money. And it obviously feels very timely given the uncertainty around the state of our economy right now and a lot of the personal financial situations that we're dealing with. So I want to start by facilitating a quick check-in. For just a moment, stop and ask yourself, how am I feeling about money right now? How am I feeling about money in the next month? What about the next year? What comes up for me when I think about money and finances in 20 years from now? Whatever you're feeling, give yourself the gift of being heard. Validate your feelings a bit. Grace yourself with some love and understanding. When you do this, first of all, it ensures that you don't start feeling judgment or shame for your own feelings because that won't do any good. A lot of times, especially with those of us on a spiritual path, we'll have these negative feelings or negative emotions and feel like we should be further along or that these issues really shouldn't be bothering us anymore if we are on the right track. Or if we really had an abundance mindset, this wouldn't be manifesting in our reality. But here's the thing. Judging your own feelings just launches a shame spiral. It does no good. That's why the first step is just to hear yourself. Be your own shoulder to cry on or your own warm hug. Just doing this will move you out of judgment, even temporarily. Well, another reason that this is really good for you is that when you really hear yourself and validate your own feelings, you allow them to move through you, which is healing. You're tending to your inner child, and you're shifting the focus to a nurturing love and acceptance, which actually lessens those feelings of fear that you're validating. So this allows you to move out of fight or flight a little bit and start to access the real creative problem solving and actually build and create from inspiration rather than amplifying the mindset of lack and fear. So this is a really healing process, which is why I recommend that we start from there. So deep breath in deep breath out and let yourself know that whatever you're feeling is okay 
you are heard, and you're not alone. And from that place, we're going to move into the learnings. Our guest today is Lisa Peterson. She helps people elevate their financial consciousness by realizing their true value and creating financial security for themselves. Well, I chose her to talk about money with me during this global pandemic because she teaches a really beautiful blend of financial strategy and mindfulness and spirituality. And I thought that that balanced approach would be most helpful in times like these. So three key things we will learn are how our structures are shifting to keep up with the evolution of consciousness, how to find your anchors in your life to ground you through uncertainty, and how to use this extra time to create a foundation for when things stabilize. Before we dive in, do you want to know an easy way to start each day with a little more mindfulness? Sign up for the Morning Mind Love for daily inspirational emails right to your inbox. And I'm doing something special right now and tailoring these messages to the things that lift our spirits during self-isolation, fear, and uncertainty. And it's helping. Just yesterday, I got a reply saying, thank you so much. These messages are going right to the core of what we need during these troubled times. And someone else who said, thank you so much for the morning mind love. They are everything. And when you sign up, you'll get some amazing free gifts, like a free guided binaural affirmation meditation designed to rewire your brain to a higher vibration. And you'll get one of my favorite tools, a booklet of my personal power lists to help you gain clarity and live with intention, even when you're stressed. And it's all completely free. So join over 8,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word morning to 3377. That's morning to 33777. And now let's welcome Lisa Peterson to the show. Thank you, Melissa. I'm so happy to be here. So let's start with a little backstory. Uh, You have recently written a book called The Mindful Millionaire that's releasing soon. um, And you do talk a lot about money consciousness. So how did you become interested in that? And what's a little of your backstory? So I have always had an obsession with money. That's pretty much my backstory. Same. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. We have that in common. So I started selling seeds door to door. It's six, seven, eight years old. I was figuring out money when I was really young. And I eventually, after I went to college, I ended up deciding that money and the money business was a place for me to work in. So I got an MBA and I started working in the money business. But the big switch going from being in the industry and working as a mortgage banker and a financial advisor was that I noticed that people have very interesting, we put that in quotes, interesting relationships with money. Not everybody, but a lot of people really struggle with it. And, you know, whether they have a lot of it or they have a little of it, I noticed in working with people for many years with their money that there was a whole thing going on and nobody was talking about it. And I decided I wanted to talk about it and eventually started my business six years ago to dive into helping people with that relationship with money. So how did you begin to notice those patterns? Did you have a background in another industry, like maybe even spirituality or something like that, where you were able to combine two different kind of thoughts around money? Or is it something that you came to through working with people and their money? Great question. I was involved in a family tragedy back in 1999. And prior to that, I did not have a much of a spiritual faith or pathway. But when that tragedy happened, my dad was murdered. 
it was like the ground fell out beneath me and I found myself drawn to spirituality as opposed to therapy. Like I've never been to a therapist. I mean, they're awesome, but it just wasn't my path. And I started meditating and learning about Buddhism back in 1999. And I kind of kept my world separate. Like I think the people in the corporate world that I was working in thought I was an anomaly, you know, out there. And I'd be going on these meditation retreats for many weeks at a time. And most of the time I'd come back and I'd want to talk about it, you know, when people would be like, I don't know what you're doing. It doesn't make any sense. Why aren't you going to a beach and hanging out? Like they just didn't understand why I'd want to go sit in my closet and meditate for months. And that's what happened. And so in the course of me diving inside, I began to notice more, right? Because when you're meditating a lot, you start to become really present to what's happening for people. You notice when they're in pain, you become really sensitive to it, both your own and others. And so that was what started to bring my attention to like, what's happening when these couples are fighting as they're getting, buying a house, you know, when I was a mortgage banker, like what's going on? Why is one person playing one role and the other person is playing a completely different role? And they're not finding common ground. Like I would see these things and I would think about them, but I knew, you know, I didn't know enough to ask them about it. Right. I felt like I'm just going to stay quiet and ignore it. And when I became a financial advisor, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I literally started asking people. I just got so curious. And I said, can you tell me about your relationship with money? And they looked at me, they had never had a, you know, a financial professional ask that kind of question before. And before you knew it, these stories started to come out of their mouths. And by the time they were done sharing these intimate details of their history and their relationships with their family and their partners, it was so cathartic. They ended up making changes in their lives. They're like, nobody's ever asked me this before. I've never talked about it before. And yet I feel like a new person just being able to hold space and share what it was like for me and growing up or in my past, maybe a divorce, you know, it's different for everybody what brings it to the surface, but that's what I started learning about. That's so interesting. And what I want to do today is go into some of the basics of what you teach, and then later on, try to apply it to what we're all going through right now, because I know people are so fearful in our current situation with the coronavirus going around. But I think it's important to first touch on some of these basics so that we know what we're getting into. So you mentioned people's relationships with money have a really big impact on maybe what their financial situation looks like. So can you give us some examples of what these stories are and where they come from? Yeah, you know, it's kind of amazing, I think, to most people to realize that sometimes it is a tragic situation, like losing a parent, right, when you're young and your whole entire household was disrupted, not just emotionally, but also financially. Like there's those situations. But I would say what surprises people even more is just a subtle conversation or one situation that occurred in our past that could literally still be haunting us 40 years later, but we don't know how it's affecting us. For example, super simple example is when I was, I think, seven or eight, I went out to a fair in Berkeley with my parents. And I remember I had gotten a purse and I had money in that purse. And we were walking around and we went to a playground and I was playing. And I think at some point I took the purse off and we left. And maybe an hour later, I remembered 
I found something I wanted to buy with my money and I looked down and the purse wasn't there. And before my parents even knew what was happening, I knew what I had done. And I started running back to the park and I got there and I saw the purse sitting on the ground. And sure enough, somebody had opened it, taken the money out and the purse was still there. And I was devastated. And it's so funny because in the work that I do, these stories start to come out about like, oh my gosh, I remember when. And for me, what I realized from even that one situation is my whole life, I have had a kind of paranoia about leaving my purse or wallet somewhere. And I think I've only had something stolen maybe once or twice and I'm 53. And that gives you an idea of like how tight, <laughs> you know, it's just a sixth sense. that's like, where's the purse? Where's the purse? Where's the purse? And it's still with me because of that one situation. Does that make sense? It does. And I like that example because I think what a lot of us assume is that these money stories have to come from something big in our lives. Like, yes, if you grew up in total poverty and you were trying to make a week's worth of meals last a month, those types of stories, they seem to make sense. Of course, those are going to be the first things that come to mind. But then there's a lot of us that maybe had just these little seemingly insignificant instances happen that end up rippling through our entire lives. And I remember for me, I remember one time my parents saying, no, we can't afford that over something dumb. I think I was asking for a CD or something like that. And there was something about that moment that gave me a pit in my stomach that automatically made my child brain go to, we could be homeless. And then I was also <laughs> always juggling this feeling of my parents were like middle class, upper middle class, my dad was almost unemployed. He would do whatever he could to kind of skirt by without getting a real job, but lived in pretty much poverty. And there was something that was really triggering for me, or there's something that I think created meaning for me of juggling these two realities with both of my parents. And also, I had never really seen a woman in my family be the bread maker or, or the breadwinner, <laughs> the, probably the bread maker, but not the breadwinner. <laughs> so, um, so for me, a lot of what I've been understanding is that I think I might have tied masculinity with making money. And as much as I'm confident in myself with building my own empire and full equality, obviously, there's this other part of me that's just like, you know, it'd be really hot if you made more money than me. <laughs> yeah, it is fascinating because it can be situations that we heard from our parents or had happened to us. But I also have seen like my mom grew up in really poverty oriented, you know, situations where her parents were alcoholics and there was never food, like they were irresponsible too. So when they'd go to the store, she remembered stealing food because there was an idea that there wasn't going to be enough when she needed it. And she needed to stock, you know, for herself to have like a can of tuna if there was no dinner. And so when I was growing up, even though my parents always figured out a way to have money, I mean, they struggled, don't get me wrong, but it was different, right? I never went without a meal, but because she talked about it so much, it made me fearful, just as if I had grown up in her situation. Like we can pass it to our children. It's fascinating. If there's one topic that keeps coming up in my women's circles, it's our hormones. 
Frankly, I think that between years of birth control or beauty products that mess with endocrine function, a lot of us are just out of whack. EstroControl is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. It has science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health, especially in women who suffer from PMS. The way EstroControl eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when the estrogen isn't processed well in the liver, women may start having PMS, spots on the skin, they get cravings, they feel low all of a sudden. EstroControl was created to help women feel like themselves all throughout the month because PMS can basically rob us of a week of our lives every month. Totally not fair. EstroControl is made specifically for women who are premenopausal, so it's perfect for women that haven't entered menopause yet. And in fact, it's amazing for perimenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and PMS can turn into a beast. I have been relearning myself postpartum. I just started my period again when my baby was 10 months and I forgot how wild these hormone changes can be. I wanted something to just maintain optimal hormone levels and help with mild mood swings, and EstroControl is perfect for this. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com with promo code MINDLOVE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use promo code MINDLOVE for 15% off your first order. I have always been someone who's prioritized wellness. Well, at least what I understood about it at the time, which has definitely evolved. But now I live in a town where some of my conveniences just aren't as accessible as when I lived in L.A. Then I found Aloe Moves and my whole experience changed. I've been an avid yogi for 16 years, but frankly, I am just underwhelmed by most online yoga. Their flows are either too easy or not varied enough. Well, Aloe Moves has everything. Of course, they have an endless selection of beginner content, since that is the category most people fall into, but they even have advanced and yoga teacher-focused content. They are the only online platform that I can find that I can narrow down the time that I'm looking for precisely. Like, I have 38 minutes today. What you got? <laughs> they have something for every mood. Trying to get a good sweat? Try their award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, hit classes, or reformer Pilates workouts with or without weights. Or find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and even journaling for those quiet moments. And when it comes to sleep, it's just as important as fitness and nutrition. Ever since I watched The Art of Sleep on Aloe Moves, I've been falling asleep faster and staying asleep longer. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use code MINDLOVE for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com code MINDLOVE. Alomoves.com code MINDLOVE. Right. Because when you hear somebody saying a story over and over again, then you know that that is a reality that exists. Even if it doesn't currently exist for you, it feels just one conversation away or just one incident away. So it's interesting too, though, that so many of us hold negative emotions around money when it seems like it should be a positive thing. Even when we get it, we're still holding these negative emotions. And a lot of times those emotions are fear or grief or shame. How do you start to first uncover maybe what emotions you have about money? And then how do you start to break the cycle? 
So one way I like to think about it, I'm into creating models that help people understand where they're coming from and then how to change it. Exactly what you're asking here. But I'm going to simplify the models for a second because I think this will hit home for listeners. I look at it like two major threads are happening. One is fear of being destitute. And there's been some studies, especially after recessions, where women in North America, over 50% of women in North America feel like there are a few bad moves away from destitute poverty. And so it's this extreme fear that you're not safe and you're not secure and that something might happen that would take everything away from you. Okay. That's one kind of main theme I see play out a lot for women, but also for some men. And then the other part is the fear of their not just not being enough, but we are not enough. Like this thought that we are not enough and therefore we have to do all these things to take care of ourselves. And it's funny that both of those are playing out in our relationship with money. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I can see that too, because I've even felt, especially when I... I remember watching the series Mad Men and understanding, wow, that version of women and money and women in the job force is so different than what I experienced today. But something about watching that made me realize just how recent it really was. And it makes you feel as though there's not enough spaces for women at the table or that women earning a lot of money is almost a privilege rather than an equality I don't know. I've I've been unwrapping a lot of different things. The more I discover about myself and the more that I journal, I'm like, huh, I think this is a belief that I might have had deep down hidden somewhere. So I do feel that. And what I've found is as we realize that this is something that's holding us tight, you know, sometimes I could describe it as a prison. I like to use the word paradigm. Like if we're living inside of a paradigm where we feel like we are not enough, we will make different decisions than when we have crossed over into I am enough. Or the same thing goes, if we think there isn't enough to go around in the world, we will live a certain way versus there is enough everything's fine. I'm going to be okay. This too will pass. When we move into that other paradigm, that's where things get really juicy in life. And sometimes it may be a temporary suspension of that fear. But what I think is the less temporary it becomes and the more permanent it becomes, the more we live lives that are on purpose based on the values that we hold in our hearts. And so what I do to help people is, first of all, just give them awareness that these things have happened. They're not alone. They don't have to be plagued by these thoughts for the rest of their lives, that it's just a belief system. And then I help them unpack those belief systems so that they can decide, you know, what does it look like now? What am I trying to get out of this? Because what often happens in our behaviors, whether it be in work or with money or the way that emotional feeling you were describing is that we are so trapped inside, we literally make bad decisions on a regular basis. And so as soon as we can start to realize that we're not making decisions about our money or our career or the choices we're making, even getting really simple, like as business owners in sales, for example, because I think sales is a perfect place for a lot of us where it shows up, both of these things. Like, I am afraid I'm not going to have enough money, so I need to close this sale. And now I move into, I don't feel like I'm enough. And so I'm still going to try and close this sale. And you can imagine nobody wants to be sold from those places. 
Does that make sense? Like people can feel inside of us when we're operating inside of those belief systems. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's like, oh, I need you to buy this <laughs> rather than this is what I'm offering right now. And it could be of use to you. I, what I've also been noticing though, okay, so we are living right in a time of a lot of, of fear and uncertainty, a lot of people losing their jobs or not making as much because of a virus going around. We're stuck in our homes. Some people are able to work from home. Some people are not. And one thing I've noticed about spirituality in general is people tend to, oh, I've noticed people tend to veer towards it either in total despair because they have nowhere else to turn, or it's at the point of almost privilege. Like, okay, a lot of my life is together. Let me, now I have time to focus on manifesting abundance and all this stuff. And right now we're kind of in both, but at the same time, people are going into their fight or flight mode and they're going into fear and survival. And so these ideas where maybe they held it true three weeks ago of trusting in the universe and feeling supported, when they don't know where their next meal is coming from, all that goes out the window. So how does this apply with our relationship with money when we are not sure where our next meal is coming from? Like, how would you handle that yourself? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that there's a place for the spirituality, but because I come from this practical background of personal finance, for example, I do feel like that needs to be paid attention to, you know, like what is your contingency plan? How are you taking care of yourself? Like, I don't think that, that spirituality to me, it doesn't mean like what we could call economic bypassing where I'm just going to pray and everything's going to be great. Right. I really encourage people to first of all, know what's going on in their brain, know if they are operating from the reptilian brain, which is fight, flight, and freeze, right? And the limbic system, and that's the limbic system is still a lower level function in the brain. It's the one that causes us to ruminate over and over again. Like I should have done this. I should have gotten out of the market. I should have done something different. I should have got, had a different job, you know, whatever it is, right? You get in the washing machine of rumination or you project, which means you're focused on the future and like this, everything's going to fall apart. My whole life is over. You know, it's never going to be the same. Like those different behaviors, if we are making decisions from any of those places, right? So fight, flight, and freeze, ruminating and projecting, there is a 99% chance that our decisions that we make from those places are going to be less than satisfactory and probably cost us a lot of time, money, and energy could be for far into the future. And this is what I've seen when I worked in the financial services business, that people would not realize that they were operating from those places and therefore they wouldn't take good care of themselves because the opposite of that is just like I said, you know, let's say right now we don't know what's going to happen. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty. So one way we can help ourselves is to find anchors in our lives, find the things that we have certainty about. So one thing might be how much cash reserves do I have? Another thing might be, you know, how reliable is my job to continue or my business to continue? Like be super open and honest, radically honest with yourself about what are the different scenarios that could happen and don't ignore the things that feel uncomfortable. 
And so we're still using mindfulness there, if you notice, because what we're trying to do is we're trying to move into what mindfulness teaches us, which is the fact that we can go into our prefrontal cortex. We can go into the part of our brain that is all about creative problem solving, that is about rest and digest or eustress is another. Instead of distressed, we're in eustress. So when we can move ourselves consciously and intentionally into, I am going to sit here. I am going to become calm. I'm going to bring other people, maybe anchors in my life, you know, a parent or a sibling who's really good in these times where they're not maybe responding the way I am, like being so honest with ourselves that we need anchors and we need mindfulness and we need to be aware of when we're operating in fear and not making decisions until we can calm ourselves down and come from a different place. Does that help? Yeah. And I really like the way you put that because I just was interviewing a friend of mine, Cole Whitty, the other day, and she said something that really rang true for me. And it's about how, you know, there's people on the spirituality side and there's people on this practical side. And we need to recognize that we are all of the things. We are mind and body and spirit. And so when you are only focusing on one, you may be neglecting the other. And so you can't just be sitting there praying and everything's going to manifest in your life. You also have to go take action or build that with your body and, and actually materialize it in this world. And that's kind of what that made me think of, because that's where the spirituality really, really helps me is that Yes, I have to deal with all the crap that we're going through on a daily basis. Yes, things are hard. Yes, there's a lot of uncertainty. But I always have my practice to come back to, to calm and ease my fears. Because if I'm creating from a place of lack, if I'm so overcome with lack and fear, and I start acting on that, I'm going to feel it. And it's probably going to materialize in that way. Whereas if I were to ground myself in the ways that you said, and not only find my anchors with spirituality and understand how to calm my own mind, but also do that in the real world. That's what makes it really, really feel real for us. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, it's beautiful. And noticing how we can go to extremes on both sides, both in the spiritual, because I mean, I live in Sedona, right? And I see these posts and it's like, uh, just to be clear, you know, it's the end of the world. Everything's going to change. It's all going to fall apart. Like this super kind of metaphysical extremism on one side. <laughs> and then on the other side, right, is this just, you know, very, very selfish, if you will, in the world, like every man for themselves, we need to take care of ourselves. It doesn't matter what happens to other people. Like we're not wanting to live in either of those places. And so I always love to be like when I'm kind of struggling with getting my anchor or finding my center, I look at the extremes at times and be like, okay, what's in between those two places? Because that's where I want to be. I want to be living in both and. It's not either or that makes me happy. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. 
It's a zero sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. And get this, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what's the solution? Two words, living intentionally. We have to take full responsibility for every area of our lives, including our health, which also includes our air. And that's why I love my air doctor. As a reminder, when you support my sponsors, you also support the show. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants, so your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants like allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, spores, and even bacteria and viruses. I live in the mountains, and our air is pretty great. When I drive home, I can witness myself rising above the cloud of pollution that covers the rest of Southern California. But I know that even in the mountains, my home traps in the contaminants that my family brings inside. Plus, just sleeping one night with my air doctor, I could actually feel the difference. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe-easy money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund, minus shipping. So head to Air Doctor Pro and use promo code MIND, and depending on the model, you'll get up to $300 off. You're saving up to $300. Lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code MIND. That's promo code M-I-N-D. Okay, so right now I'm noticing a range of the way people are handling this situation as far as their money and their resources. There are the people on the whole range of the spectrum from panicked to peaceful. And then there are people ranging from hoarding to giving. And really, most of us, I think, are moving through the entire range or the entire spectrum of both that emotional spectrum and the behavior spectrum. And now I know that there's no one right answer to this, but I also think that a lot can be learned from getting insight into the minds of people that I respect or who seem to have found balance in their lives. So I'm curious, what are your feelings on what's appropriate right now? Or how are you handling that? So I can just speak to what I'm doing or what we've been doing. I love the analogy of putting that oxygen mask on ourselves first, right? Because if we're flailing around and we can't take of our care of ourselves, we're not able to help our communities and our families in the way that we want. So 
I think taking stock with our own lives. And that's what I've done. Like I've, I've spent a lot of time over this past few weeks, granted, paying attention to the news, seeing what's going on, probably a little bit too much, getting, finding my center, doing breath work practices, like all of those things and watching like totaling up how much cash reserves do we have? You know, what does the stock market look like? Am I going to make any changes to my portfolio? Like all of those things have been what I've been focused on. But I also want to mention I'm married. I've been with my husband for like, I don't know, I forgot three, 30 plus years. Like, And it was interesting because he has a very different practice than I do. He doesn't meditate regularly. He really went into kind of his hunter mode and he never goes to the store. But I noticed that he, for like a week, every single day, he was going out to the store and it was his way of feeling like he was taking care of us as the world was sort of falling apart. And I respect that because I could just see this was the only thing that he could do that helped helped him feel like he had an anchor. And so him buying some extra toilet paper probably had a lot to do with that fear, you know, and that I was talking about earlier, but I also saw that it helped him feel like he was able to help us. And so I have a lot of respect for everybody wherever they're at knowing <laughs> that we're all doing the best that we can. You know, I'm not going to go out and hoard. We have made a really conscious decision that we're not going out because we don't know if we have it and we don't want to spread it and we don't want to get it and then spread it. So it's like we're looking at what can we do individually that affects the greater good. Yeah, I love that. I have seen a lot of just judgment of people. I also have been going on social media too much. So I dialed it back yesterday because I think it's so important to be checking in with yourself and ask, how do I feel? Is this positive or negative? And what's contributing to this and seeing what I can do to balance that out. And so one of those things was realizing that it's important to stay informed, but at the same time, a better way to protect myself once I know the information that is necessary is then to guard my mind and my spirit. And so I was taking a break from that. But before, I did notice a lot of judgment going back and forth of people. Some people maybe being too greedy and hoarding, but realizing that you know, if I was doing that, I bought more food than I usually do. I wouldn't say I'm hoarding, but the same for you. We haven't gone out to eat at all. We normally go out to eat like twice a day. So it's a balance. And understanding that, you know, there's some things that can be done that do ease my fears right now. And also the more I have a plan, the less fearful I feel. So if I'm just acting spur of the moment, I need to go buy this. Oh my God, stock up here. Oh my gosh, do this here. It's not helping. It's actually adding to these feelings of chaos. Whereas if I were to sit down and plan for a minute and say, okay, what changes are we making in our lives right now? What do we have? What do we need? And then listing things out so that you're buying with a plan. There's a part of my body that feels like, okay, you have a handle on this. Okay. You have a sense of the greater picture. Okay. Now you know what to do rather than just acting in that fight or flight state, if that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, like we're all finding our own way. We've never had anything like this happen before. And some of us may be like, yeah, I probably bought too many, you know, granola bars. Like that wasn't necessary. You know, we're going to learn from it and we're going to make changes most likely because I think 
this is a time that is so unusual, right? In the history of the world, it's very rare where everyone on the planet is affected by this in one way or another. So we're all in this together. And my hope is, is that it awakens new understanding of how do we actually work together? How do we think about others, not just as a passing thought, but as a part of how we make our decisions going forward? Like, how about that? You wrote in one of your blog posts that aspects of the systems we've created in the U.S. are not keeping up with the evolution of human consciousness. And I really liked that line. But can you explain to the listeners more of what you meant by that? Yeah, it feels like we created a lot of the systems and structures very oriented to the left side of the brain, right? The system, the organization, this is how we're going to build our culture. This is how we're going to build our society. All of those things go back hundreds of years in many cases. And yet here we are with more focus going back to the prefrontal cortex, like as we expand our understanding of the mind and what it means to have consciousness, conscious awareness, intentional thought, and, and more freedom probably than we've ever experienced experienced in the history of mankind, we are ready for new structures. And there are a lot of us who feel the need for structures to morph and shift based on what we need today. And yet these structures have been around for so long, nobody has a clue how to break them down and change them. And so what we, I think, are seeing in the divisiveness of the politics and problems with healthcare is that we're so attached to things being a certain way that we're not willing to open up possibility for creative solutions to come in, not at the pace that we're needing those creative solutions. And I think that COVID is teaching us how woefully unprepared we are to face the challenges that we have today. And perhaps it will cause people to rethink and design new solutions so that these divisive kind of approaches are seen as being prohibitive, inhibitive, rather than supportive and creative and actually, you know, listening to people, right? The other day, when I saw the politics of, of them trying to decide what are they going to give to people to keep businesses going and keep the economy going, and the first pass was like so... I don't know what it'll look like in the end, but it felt like they looked at one group, but they didn't look very much at, for example, small businesses, you know, because we're really un unique. We can't get unemployment, for example, but being able to include everybody at the table rather than just certain populations or groups, for example. And I mean, this goes for race, this goes for, you know, poverty. When people are in poverty, our systems are not stacked in their favor. I mean, I've been doing a lot of research about this over the past few years as I was writing the book. It's just mind-blowing how we're not paying enough attention to people. We're paying more attention to money. And that's the big shift that I hope we're awakening and entering into. I feel like that's so indicative of even how we should be feeling within ourselves, where a lot of times our situation with money is all about the money and we forget to look inwards to ourselves and our relationship to that. Like, how are we taking care of ourselves first in order to even have this relationship with money? And I know it seems like a lot of times the macro is just a larger of the micro and within ourselves is that same micro conversation about how are we 
building to really support ourselves rather than just, I need to earn money or I'm not going to have this, or I need to build up all of these things in my external world rather than first starting from your internal world. And one thing that's been really helping me through this all is because I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea who's going to win the 2020 election. Sometimes I can go to a place of fear, like if this is how it works out, or if this is the choice they make, or if this is who is elected, we're all doomed. But then realizing I thought that in the last election, my <laughs> preference did not happen. Some might say we're currently doomed. I am still like, okay, but my current life is still very similar to what it was before. So shifting that from we're all going to be doomed if this one thing happens to just having curiosity for I wonder how it's going to unfold. That gives me a broader lens and different perspective which to view the current situation from. And the more that I educate myself and really the more that I build up my own internal dialogue or my own ability to see things from multiple perspectives, I can shift that in the moment where I'm like, oh my God, I'm feeling fear. Okay, let's tune into my higher self. What does she have to say about this? Or what if you just knew that everything was going to work out fine? Now look at that situation through the lens and watch how your fear or how your even view of what is to come, your predictions start to soften. It's so good. I like the idea of if somebody walked into my life, you know, with this very abundant mindset that just felt like there was plenty and it was all going to work out, just like you said, like, what would they be doing in my life? Like, we don't even have to put it on ourselves. Let's just bring somebody else in. <laughs> because sometimes it's so funny because we get stuck in our patterns of thinking a certain way and it's tough to get out, quite frankly. But the world is really... It's welcoming us to do that because I think as we lose the anchors, you know, something as simple as we go to the grocery store and there isn't toilet paper, even though that's, you know, something we can joke about and it's also got serious consequences, we can also look at it like the metaphor of, hey, this system that I depended my whole entire life on isn't working anymore. And we can go, you know, one of two ways, everything's falling apart or just like you said, can I look at this from a creative perspective? You know, can I all of a sudden just have so much gratitude for the concept of toilet paper? <laughs> like, just celebrate the fact that we do have incredible choices, options, opportunities in so many areas of our lives. I think we're forced right now to take stock of what is really meaningful and what is really important in our lives and dropping away the things that we thought were really important. And it turns out they weren't. It's so true. I like to the idea of tuning into different versions of myself or tuning into other people is actually something I got from Think and Grow Rich, where Napoleon Hill talks about his invisible counsel. And so I've been playing with that in a bunch of different ways because understanding how other people work, the better you know your spouse, for instance, the more likely you're able to say, well, what would he do in this situation? And suddenly you're kind of in his mindset, whereas maybe you wouldn't have had access to that if you didn't know him so well. Well, I've brought that to creating almost imaginary people or my spiritual counsel or whatever it is. And so a lot of what I do to help myself through situations is tune into myself and ask, okay, what do you need to feel okay? Like what would need to happen for you to feel okay? Maybe it is that a magical fairy comes down and says, 
okay, I'm giving you insight into five months in the future and everything's not only just going to be okay, it's going to be better than it was. So believe that and now go about your day. And how does what I do in my next actions change with this sudden belief that I've created myself that everything's going to work out and putting it into perspective too of where people can always argue that. And that's the thing about mindsets because you can always shift to the lack mindset and say, but what if it's not? But what if this happens? But what if I lose everything? But I was just watching on Hulu which show was it? It's like the weekly. And it happened to be about an episode about Boko Haram. And it was just giving an insight into life in this town in Africa. And I was watching it as we're currently going through our crisis and seeing what they have in their regular life and realizing in the absolute worst case scenario, I will never be there. I will never be in that situation. And for them, it's all completely normal. It just is their life. They might not be super happy about a lot of aspects of it, but they're also finding joy because that is what they're used to. And realizing that if we have to sacrifice some things for most of us, what it's going to be is just what we've built a comfort around, not what we actually need. And if you take account of all the things that you actually need and write out all of the things that are your anchors or are things you can lean on. Maybe it's even just a friend that you've never asked a favor for before that might have a spare roll of toilet paper. Something like that, that we've just never gone to these things because we consider that dropping our ego. Well, imagine how free you will feel when you start to actually take account of all the resources you have and what you actually need in this lifetime to survive. Yeah. Yesterday I was on a call with one of my mentors, Jonathan Fields, and he was saying that possibility is, well, when disruption happens, possibility exists in all of the disruption. And it's like, I just keep thinking that there's so many stories that we could go and research about people who have actually done the best in times of hardship, right? Both individually as well as economically, like great uh, wealth has been built out of this sort of thing happening because it creates opportunity. New mass desire is created, right? That we didn't even know we had or that was important, but all of a sudden all this attention comes into just something that we're like, oh, we all need this. It's amazing how human beings work that way, right? We all need to- more toilet paper right now. And my friend, you know, interesting enough, just started a company that makes toilet paper and he's trying to get it up and running. And I'm like, how crazy is that? And, you know, when I talked to him a couple months ago when he was starting things out, it was like, he was kind of embarrassed, you know, like, oh, well, this is what we're going to be doing. And I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. And he's like, most people don't say that. And then I talked to him the other day and he's like, yeah, who knew, right? That, that, <laughs> toilet paper was going to become the hottest commodity in the country. It just goes to show that when we are working from a place of this eustress, right, and the rest and digest, that we become our most creative beings that we're, I think, here to evidence. And exciting things can happen. The other thing I think that's helpful for everyone, because we haven't talked about the stock market and the fact that we're in this bear market, 
But if we were to look at the stock market just went on sale, okay, then it changes everything. Because normally when the stock market's going down, everyone runs from it. But if you have the mentality that stocks just went on sale, just like you go into a store and all of a sudden everything is 25% off, you know, that's the way we can be thinking about the stock market right now. Not that it's, we have no idea where the bottom is or any of those other thoughts, but like, hey, we just got the opportunity to buy stocks at a rate that hasn't been seen in many years. And we don't have to know what's going to happen immediately or even in the next year, but we do know that a hundred years of history tells us that this time is not different. We've been through here before. It looks different. We want to say that it's going to be completely different, but the stock market, unless everything falls apart, which we have a much more serious problem on our hands if that happens, the stock market will continue to go forward and rally and now's the time to actually find the opportunities. So do you see how we can change pretty much anything? Right. And that's... I think the challenge is developing your mind enough to have the ability to zoom out for a second and again say, what, how can I reframe this moment to something empowering? That's what I've been really talking about recently. A friend of mine, Gary Temple Bodley, talks about it a lot, how a belief is neither right or wrong. You can make something right or wrong for you at any time. A belief is either limiting or empowering. And from that viewpoint, then all of a sudden you realize, oh, is this belief limiting? How can I start to build evidence for the empowering side of this? How can I view this through a different lens? If somebody came over and they had a mental disorder of only being optimistic about everything, how would they view this situation? Now, put yourself in that mindset. And so the more that you can create these things and the more agile you become in shifting between them, the more power you're going to have over your current situation. Because even if there are some things collapsing around you, again, that might just be, it's just like with a house where a buyer takes over and they first demolish the old house so they can build a stronger foundation. And that seems like the opportunity for us to do right now. And one thing I have been also encouraging people to be mindful of is there's a lot of memes and stuff where it's like, okay, what's on Netflix next? Or, okay, like another bottle of wine. And yes, I did drink too much wine the first week of this, but then I tuned in (laughs) and I thought to myself, okay, Right now, there's a huge shift in energy of everybody around us. That must mean something. People are going into these modes of creativity and of problem solving, or they're going into fear. And I can choose which one I want to move into. So I chose to move into the creative one and realizing that this could quite possibly be since all of a sudden the whole world is suddenly thinking about things in a new way, could be this interesting vortex that we're in where it's really stimulating energy. And I've challenged myself now to make sure that I'm always creating more than I'm consuming. That includes what I take into my mind. That that includes what I'm watching on a day-to-day basis. It's like, yes, watch Netflix, sure, but turn it off and journal or draw or do something you haven't done before. So I'm curious, what is it that you're doing that you feel like is the best use of your time right now that you feel like is going to kind of build a foundation for you when things start to even out again? Yeah, such a good question. 
I have a community that I've been building over the past six years. And it's interesting because if you recall, I came from the financial services world and I'm bringing the spiritual side of things into my work. But I will be honest with you and say, even though I'm bringing those worlds together, I have held back as it pertains to spirituality in certain ways, talking about God, for example, and things that I wanted to, but I didn't really know if my community wanted to hear that from me. And I feel like these times have allowed me to speak up and kind of be willing to take a stand for some things that I was not quite sure I was fully ready to give myself permission to do. The book does that, but mind you, the book is coming out in June. And I kind of thought that the book would be the thing that did that. But instead I was like, you know what? These times right now feel really, really important for me to be more candid about some of the things that go on inside of me and the tools that I use. And so I've been moving more in that direction to the point where I started a course and just this week that I wasn't sure anybody would come to. I felt divinely guided and it's still bridging the money and the other things that I teach, but it definitely took a turn, you know, a right turn towards more spiritual discovery and understanding the true self. And so giving myself permission to lean into that and trusting that if there was ever a time to make a pivot or a change that you've been wanting to make, why not now is I guess my recommendation to everyone. And interesting enough, I've got I mean, it's growing. I think there's more than 50 people in that course. So they showed up, they're super excited and we're all wanting to move out of fear together and learn about what it means to create from the place that we're in right now. Because I'll tell you, if you can create when this kind of thing is happening, you can create in any situation. Would you agree? Definitely. It's just like working those muscles of understanding your own power in any moment. And I think our creativity really is our connection to source and our inspiration. And that's where, for me, creativity is like my soul expressing itself. And so if I can tap into that when I need it the most, then that can become a new normal for me where it becomes a habit. And so that's what I'm really making sure that I take note of right now, because my struggle in this world or the thing that I realized is my like kryptonite is overindulgence of absolutely anything. It goes back to my eating disorder. I've had spending problems. I've had drinking problems, all the things. And so I'm always just very mindful of, okay, am I taking this too far? Because I know I want to. And so really taking a an inventory of my habits, especially now that I'm at home and there's no external distractions for me at all right now, has been I think really character building and we're only a week in. But I'm wondering, is there anything that you think people should watch out for right now that might self-sabotage financially or a level of procrastination? Or is there anything that we should be careful of during this time? Well, the first one, just back to the investing, like now isn't the time to sell, you know, unless you're going to need money in the next couple of years from those accounts, then please don't touch it. That's when we really lose out by taking the risk of investing when we go out when things aren't working so well. The other thing is you said things to watch out for. So I think like what we talked about before, just the fight, flight and freeze, the avoidance, the quick rash decisions that are made because we're feeling uncomfortable and we want to make the pain go away. 
uh, don't make the decision, go find somebody to talk to about it. (laughs) And yeah, those are the things that I'm seeing right now that people are needing help with. I think, like you said, this is the time for self-care to really listen to yourself and to make sure that you are fully taken care of and getting more sleep, getting exercise, paying attention to how much you might drink you know, just really being mindful of whatever you're putting in your body, whether that be food or thoughts. That's where I think we get tripped up right now is it's so easy to get distracted by the drama and it's not going to help you. It won't make you feel better. And just reminding yourself of that over and over again. Right. You might think it makes you feel better in the moment, but you're going to feel worse right afterwards. I did that just this week. I'm like, okay, no wine at all. And it's not like I've been like getting drunk, but I don't need two glasses of wine every single night. And and I was almost like vacation mode, whatever. And so I made the decision the other day. I was like, okay, no wine at all this week. I just want to experience this situation with a clear head and see what happens. And it's only been like a day in and I woke up this morning and the first thing I said to my husband was, remind me that I already feel so much better just not having two glasses of wine last night. I feel this renewed sense of hope about the day because those things, even though they seem fun and it's this whole like women have this thing with memes and wine and whatever, making it seem like a really empowering thing to do. It also is sort of a depressant. So be very aware of your body of how are you feeling every single day and try the technique of taking one thing out that you're doing. And that was mine for this week and see how you feel. And there was an obvious difference. So the more that we can just become in tune with ourselves, I think the better we're going to be when we get out of this and remembering that, yes, this situation would be terrifying if I was just losing everything, you know, but we're all in this together. We're all having to come up with solutions together. The whole world is dealing with this issue and there's still money in circulation. It's not like the money is disappearing. And so we will find a way, we will get through this. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing just kind of that spiritual mixed with that practical because I think it's what's most needed right now. So for listeners who are, really resonating with you, where's the best place for them to connect with you online? So my website is wealthclinic.com and we didn't talk too much about it, but there's a quiz there to help you understand your chakras and money. I'm on Instagram at Lisa Peterson. It's L-E-I-S-A. And Facebook, I have a community, Mindful Millionaire community that's set up to support folks when the book comes out, but we're already up and running and sharing Lots of support right now. All the links and more resources from this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 125, including a link to pre-order Lisa's book, The Mindful Millionaire, which comes out in April. I really want to encourage you guys this week to take a really honest audit of your life and start to write down which things you have that are really necessary and which things are just maintaining a lifestyle. Now, I know just as well as anybody that those things maintaining my lifestyle can feel like a necessity. Do you understand how deeply attached I am to my matcha lattes? It's a real thing. But what I also understand is when I let go of that attachment, when I apply a little thought of minimalism to my life, I feel so much freer. 
these things that are maintaining our lifestyles are actually just cords to this level of spending that we think is necessary for our happiness, but really it turns into an obligation. Now, I'm not saying that you should be stoked about having to lose everything you own, but I'm also saying, are you really going to lose everything you own? Just because things are scary and just because you don't know how things are gonna turn out doesn't mean that the worst is going to happen. This might be a really dumb or really amazing analogy. We shall see. <laughs> but every time I get a new iPhone, I actually wipe all my apps. I am an app hoarder, I download way too many. And you know, the first time it was because I didn't sync my iCloud account, so I couldn't restore any of the content and it felt like the end of the world. But what I ended up finding out was about a week later, it felt like freedom. And I know, man, really puts it into perspective that something that felt like the biggest deal like 10 years ago is now arguably the dumbest comparison I've ever used on this podcast to a global pandemic and painfully highlights my privilege. But to help yourself move to a higher vibration, most of the ways we come back to the present moment and stay aligned are through thought experiments within our own head. What do you need to tell yourself in order to feel all right? Just like the worst case scenario is possible, so is the best case scenario. Spend this time really figuring out what you need in your life, what is important to you, what you already have, and focus on those things. And then create a plan from there. It'll be easier to create the plan from a higher vibration. Also, when you create a plan, it's like you take the stress off your mind to always hold these things. So I consider having worries and fears or a bunch of tasks as like holding the ends of a bunch of balloons. And as you write them down, you aren't responsible for holding the ends of all these balloons anymore, hoping you don't forget something or hoping you remember or hoping that this happens. Instead, you're able to let them go. You free up your hands to actually get stuff done and you have a plan. So you have this inner knowing that something is being taken care of. And if that's not working, reach out to that person in your life that is a calming figure or that has a higher vibration or can help you look on the bright side or somebody that can help you through a current stressful situation. Get your anchors ready and move from there. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if this episode meant something to you, if it helped you at all, share it with a friend. That's one of the best ways to get the word out and support the mind love movement. And lastly, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It's really, really helpful for the growth of the show. And as always, thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 